Welcome to the Axe 13 Network Podcast. My name is Dan Rose, and I am the lead troublemaker here at the Axe 13 Network. We're glad you have decided to spend a little bit of time with us. What can you expect from this podcast? Well, hopefully, you will walk away from it learning to love well. That's our heart, that's our hope, that's our desire. We want to try to help people love well by hearing the words of Jesus, learning the works of Jesus, and following in the way of Jesus. So let's get on to this week's episode. We are continuing our study this morning in the book of Acts. And uh, as I promised last week, we are cycling back now to the end of chapter 11. Remember, we skipped kind of the second half of chapter 11 so that we could get into chapter 12 and kind of put the wraps on the first half of our family's story. Uh, So we saw... uh, You know, we saw Peter and Herod uh, kind of leave the scene. And really, uh, for all intents and purposes, we are seeing now, uh, we've now kind of seen the last of the Jerusalem church. We'll we'll kind of pop back a little bit to them, uh, but really, by and large, uh, the the scene shifts now. Uh, We've kind of done Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria... And now we turn our attention to the ends of the earth. We begin to see what's going to happen now that uh, the gospel uh, has has kind of been, the the way has been cleared for the gospel to go to the Gentiles. How How does this work? What does it look like for this faith in the Creator God of the Bible, this faith that is rooted in the life? death and resurrection of Jesus, what, is it, what does it look like for this faith to go to the world? What does it look like for it to go to the Gentiles? For those who have no background in the God of the Scriptures, what does it look like? How do we get there? In other words, how do we end up here? Right? Because... The, the majority of us are not Jewish. The majority of the Christian church today are not Jewish. So how did, how did this, this, this gospel story grow from a small sect of Judaism to a global phenomenon that would absolutely change the world? How do we get there? Well, we begin that story, that that aspect of the story right now. And we do so in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 30. It goes like this. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however... Men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, 
telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw that the great, what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians for the first time at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. This is God's Word. So we, we see now this kind of... We're seeing the transition, right? And we get this call back. Call back to Acts uh, chapter 7 and the, the persecution that broke out after Stephen was martyred. And remember we said back then that uh, the Jews that were scattered, the Christians that were probably being persecuted were the Hellenistic Jewish Christians, those Greek-speaking Jewish Christians the ones that had kind of thrown their lot in with the, with the Romans, so to speak, who were speaking Greek and they were, they were Greekified. And so they got persecuted by other Hellenistic Jews, the ones who had rejected uh, Christianity, who had rejected Christ. And so they get spread out, and we, and we pick their story back up here in verse 19. And what we learn is that most of them did what, what, had our, what had always been done, which was they went, to the, they went to their own. They went to other Jews, and they preached the gospel. And they saw fruit, and it was good. But something else happened, it says. So some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also. They began preaching the gospel to Gentiles, to non-Jews, to the barbarians, those people. And they did it in Antioch, which was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. So they were strategic. They didn't, this wasn't some backwater town. This was, you know, a center of thought. This was a mixing pot. This was a place where, you know, you had all kinds of different people. But the thing that was so important about Antioch is that it was the first place where these guys went and they just said, you know what? Let's go to the Greeks. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't like, oh, we stumbled upon a Greek or some random Greek-speaking Gentile dude had some crazy vision and called one of us into his house, like in Acts chapter 10. That's not what happened here. There are no visions here. There's no 
There's no God showing up and letting down a, a sheet with unclean animals on it. None of that. Do you, do you notice that? There's nothing crazy happening in this passage. It was followers of Jesus who got persecuted. And they went. And they, and they followed Christ. And they just kind of they started going places. And there was this group of guys who said, you know what? Let's go to the big city. Let's go to Antioch. Let's go see what might happen there. And they show up and they start preaching the gospel to the Greeks, to those Gentiles, to those people out there. And what happens? They come to faith. They start following Jesus. The church starts growing, right? I mean, it says that uh, there were a great number of people brought to the Lord. It explodes. And there's something else going on here. These, we, we, find out, we find out that it was here in uh, verse 26. It says, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. There is something going on. There is something happening that is a little bit different. They're no longer kind of hiding out in the background. They're not just this sect flying under the radar. These, these followers of Jesus were living in such a way that the people of Antioch said, these are little Christs. Because that's what the word Christian means. The word Christian simply means little Christ. So they were living in such a way that the people in the city saw them as something new and said, what marks these people is that they are like the Christ they preach about. Whew. That sounds pretty great. Right? That is remarkable. These people were being changed and transformed by the Gospel in such a way that those who were watching them said, they are like Christ. They are like the Christ of whom they are preaching. They are little Christs. They, we shall call them Christians. And who brought this about? Who made this happen? We don't know. We don't know. Which is also an interesting moment in the story of the book of Acts. Up to this point, these turning, these turning points, these big moments always were kind of on the back of some big-time guy, right? Philip, Stephen, Peter, Paul, Cornelius, named individuals. They had, they had names. The moment was ascribed to one of, these, one of these guys. But now, just some men... Just some fellas went, went to Antioch and preached the Gospel, and boom, this thing happened. They weren't superstars. They weren't super Christians. Or as Paul would say in, in Corinthians, they weren't super apostles. These, these, were not, these, were, these were not anybody of note. Their names aren't even recorded in the Scripture. You would think, wouldn't you? that the group of people 
that showed up in Antioch and preached the gospel and taught these people in such a way that they would be known as little Christs, as Christians, you would think that the beginners of that movement would have been named. You would think that Luke would have been like, yeah, it was, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. We have no idea who they were. They were just normal, everyday followers of Jesus who showed up in a place and were present there and, and told their neighbors about Jesus. And they lived it out in front of them. And they modeled it. And their neighbors caught it and started responding to the message of Jesus. And, and, and they started living like Jesus. They started, they started believing the words of Jesus and doing the works of Jesus. They, they, started, they started being like Jesus. And we don't have any idea who started it. Names lost to history. Simply a few good men. See, it's so easy for us when we read the book of Acts to think that you have to be a super Christian. You have to be a super apostle. You have to be, you know, one of these big time people to have some sort of lasting impact. And arguably the people, I think arguably the people in the book of Acts that have the longest lasting impact are the no names, are the everydays, the just normal followers of Jesus who showed up and did Jesus things. They loved well. They were present in their neighborhoods. They cared for others. They preached the Gospel. And people were brought to the Lord. And they were called Christians for the first time. Now, that's not to, you know, that's not to say that there weren't some named people, right? I mean, we see Barnabas. Barnabas goes and he checks things out. And he's like, oh my gosh, you guys are killing it. This is great. I'm going to go get Saul and we're going to come back here and, and we're going to do some teaching, right? We're going to help lay some foundation. They stayed for a year. That's all. They were there for a long time preaching and teaching the people. But Barnabas and Saul didn't start the thing. Barnabas and Saul, they were brought in after the fact. They showed up just to, just to kind of help lay the groundwork, make sure they understood and knew, you know, knew the scriptures, right? Because you're talking about you're talking about people here who didn't have a Bible background. They didn't, they didn't grow up with the scriptures. They didn't grow up in the shadow of the temple. They didn't grow up going to synagogue. They didn't know any of the, they didn't know any of the stories. So Stephen, so Barnabas and Paul, they show up, they come in, and they spend time teaching them what we call the Old Testament so they could understand their faith, so they can know their faith in depth. Remarkable. But it was all begun by no-name, nobody Christians. There were no blue check marks here. There was nobody, you know, nobody with published works. Nobody who has a letter published in the New Testament. Just normal, everyday Christians. And these normal, everyday Christians paid attention, right? You have this, you have this group of prophets come down from Jerusalem. 
and, and one of them says, hey, there's going to be going to be a famine. The Lord has shown me there's going to be a famine. So what does the church of Antioch do? They all go, well, let's, let's get some money together and let's send it back to Judea because they're going to need it. And, and they were sacrificial. They sacrificed of their own because it says that this famine was going to hit the whole Roman Empire. It wasn't going to leave out Antioch. They didn't look around them, at themselves and go, oh, we better save up some cash for the day to come. Uh-oh, it's about to get bad. Let's, let's take care of us. No, they said, We're, we've been so blessed by this church and by the church in, in Jerusalem and Judea. Well, let's, let's make sure they're good. Let's make sure they're taken care of. And they, and they sacrificed, they got money together, and they sent it by Paul and you know, by Saul and, and Barnabas to help take care of that, the other churches. That's how it's supposed to work. They, didn't, they weren't looking out for number one. They were, they were caring for the other churches. They were caring for the rest of the body of Christ. And again, it's a bunch of no-name people, just the disciples. The disciples there decided to do this as each, as, as each was led. The disciples. You see, the book of Acts ultimately is not about super apostles and superstars and big-time Christian celebrities. Ultimately, this story, our family story, is about nobodies, nameless people who just live by faith. And so often when we think about you know, our own church, when we think about, you know, what can I do? I don't have a platform. I'm, who am I? I'm just a nobody. Yep, you're exactly the kind of person that God uses to start movements. You're exactly the kind of person that God uses to start things. Somebody who simply shows up. You don't have to have a big name. You don't have to have a big personality. You don't have to have a whole bunch of theological training. You don't have to have read all the books. You don't have to have listened to all the podcasts. You certainly don't have to have gone to cemetery seminary. You, you, you don't have to do any of that stuff. These guys didn't. These were just some men who had been persecuted, got run out of their town, and said, let's go to Antioch. It's a big city. And let's go to those people. And they did. And they started a thing. So I know, you know, we, we look around and think, well, what are we going to do? How do we grow the church? How do we, how do we make things happen? We need, we, need, we need this. We need that. No, no, no. Everything you need is right here. Because everything you need are the people that are right here. Just normal, everyday people. You see, this is ordinary Christianity. Ordinary Christianity is ordinary people following Jesus out into the world and living like Jesus out in the world. And, 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 and then things happen. You don't need strategies. You don't need great advertising campaigns. We don't need all the stuff. We just need to show up. We have to get out of our house, get out of our 
you know, our little bubble that we create, and we go and we show up in places, and we begin to meet people, and we begin to, to live out this faith in front of others. And when they ask, how do you handle this? Why you're going through kind of a hard time? How are you handling? It's my faith, and you begin to, and we begin to simply. Then we can talk. Then we begin to talk about our faith. We live it. We talk about it. But we have to be present. We have to show up, and we don't need to be special. Just normal, everyday people who are following Jesus. That's that is that really is all it takes. There's no, there's no secret sauce. There's no silver bullet. There's no marketing campaign. There's no program. It's just us leaving our houses. By leaving our houses, I mean maybe walking next door. Maybe inviting the neighbor from behind to come on over in the backyard. Maybe it's, you know, throwing a party in your neighborhood, putting yourself out there. Whatever it might be, those are the little things that you can do to be present, to go show up in your neighborhood, in your sphere of influence. And you are exactly the kind of person that God will use to start a movement. It is just that easy. And it is just that hard. Because it's really hard to walk out of our house. It's really hard to invite others over. It's really hard to to throw a party because, man, it requires something of us. we got to give of our time and our energy. we got to put ourselves out there a little bit. And we've got to be willing to risk people not showing up and then having to eat all the hors d'oeuvres and appetizers and good food by ourselves. Not much of a risk, but... That's a risk that we're, we might be willing to take. Right? And so this story, as we now turn our attention to the rest of the book of Acts, yeah, Paul is going to be kind of the dominant name. But I want you to notice, I want you to notice how Paul is, he's kind of an inflection point. He just kind of jumps in to places. And then this thing and these things happen, and then it's and then it's everyday, nameless, normal people that do that are doing the ministry, that are that are reaching their neighbors, that the movement is built on. It's not really about Paul. Paul is just kind of the um, he's kind of the tortilla chip to the salsa, right? Because really, that's all chips are. Chips, tortilla chips at the Mexican restaurant are really just a means to get the salsa into your mouth. This is all Paul is, you know? He's just, he's just a means. He's just being used to, to get to the good stuff, right? To get to the good stuff. And the good stuff are all the nameless people, just the nobodies, the everyday folk who carry this message in their, in their lives, to their neighbors, to their coworkers, to their families. They're the ones that, that did the work. They're the reason we are all here today. 
Sure, Paul had his role to play, but we're not really all sitting here because of Paul. We're not really all sitting here because of Peter. We're all sitting here because there's a whole bunch of, of people that nobody knows their name, and they've followed Jesus faithfully. You can do that. I can do that. We don't have to be radical Christians. We don't have to be extraordinary. We can just be normal, everyday, ordinary Christians that are simply faithful. And we're faithful by showing up in the lives of our family and our friends and our neighbors. And we carry this gospel with us, this message of faith and reconciliation and forgiveness. And we put, and we put that on display by seeking to reconcile with people, by extending forgiveness to people, by loving people sacrificially, by putting others in front of ourselves. We're able to do those things. That, that doesn't require super faith. That, it just requires us taking one step after the other in the footsteps of Jesus. That's all these folks did at the end of chapter 11, and they started the church in Antioch. This church where people were called Christian for the first time. And this church that we're going to see next week does something really crazy and starts a whole new wave of growth and movement in, in the Christian faith. So my challenge for you this week is simple. It's, it's to just be present. Go to your neighbor. Invite your neighbors over. Open the door so that somebody else can get to know you and model before them your faith. That doesn't mean you're, you know, posting on Facebook Bible verses. It doesn't mean that you're trying to necessarily, you know, you're not trying to convert them or you're sharing tracts with them. What that simply means is you're showing up in your life, you're extending grace, love, forgiveness, and mercy to them in any way that that makes sense in that particular moment. Right? That's all it is. And then you will be amazed by what happens. So that's, that's my challenge. So, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank You. Thank You for these no-name Christians. For these, these followers of Jesus that showed up in the third biggest city in the Roman Empire and and just lived out their faith. Lord, thank You that, that we are here in so many ways probably because of them. Not super Christians or super apostles or big-name people, just some men and some disciples who were faithful to the Gospel. Would You help us to be like them? Help us to be faithful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.